The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Pure Hoops podcast, nice to be back for a new episode. Eric Newman, New York, day 62 of my quarantine. BJ Armstrong, LA, and in all sorts of last dance chaos and hoopla. How are you, my friend? How you doing? <laughs> well, Eric, I can't complain. All is good. Um, you know, it's been it's been interesting to watch uh, this last dance, and you know, I think I can say it here. It's it's kind of awkward to see yourself on television. Um, certainly, I would never. Now I know why I didn't get into uh, the entertainment world. I don't. I don't think I could stomach watching myself on the big screen. This is about all I can take, and um, it's been interesting to see the response of the youth, and you know all the things they may have heard about Jordan to actually see get a little glimpse and peek behind the curtain has been interesting in the response. So, but I think overall it's been fun. It's been exciting, and um, you know when I when I first heard about it. I, I thought, wow, that's interesting. Ten episodes. And now that we're all, you know, almost at the end, oh, yeah. I'm saying we probably could have had ten more <laughs> because it's been a lot to tell. It's a lot of things to cover. And uh, I think they've done a, a great job. And, well, um, I thought your been, screen presence terrific. was on point. I thought you delivered remarkably well. And uh, I think with repetition, my friend, you'd, you'd like this side of yourself uh on camera a bit more so kudos to you it was um it was great to have that story unwind and a a few things to ask you about that but you you talk about um america's youth and seeing how it's resonated and and all these things and it's interesting like michael jordan despite being out of the game for so long um you know, according to something exact as like, uh, you know, some some national polling from uh, real deal firms who study this stuff. He's been the most popular and favored athlete uh, every year still since 2011. Like he still resonates across so many platforms and generations. And I think that's what we've been seeing here uh, a lot now. Um is what you're seeing so far with your your part aside, um, is that what you expected to see? Or were you completely uh, blindsided by a lot of this because you, of course, didn't watch in advance and didn't want to learn ahead of time? Well, you know, when you're when you're living and you're, you know, if I wasn't directly there or actually saw many of the stories that I was there or part of, I was one person removed. So... There hasn't been anything that I've seen thus far that I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that or I wasn't aware of that. Um, But I I think because Michael is such a polarizing figure 
you know, you know, he is like, what would drive someone to that extreme that they had this sense of uh, energy to perform at that level for that amount of time? It would only be natural to, you know, win one, two, maybe three championships. And then, you know, I'd say, what else do I have to prove? And you kind of figure out and you'll kind of live or, you know, do what you can moving forward. But he was such extreme. He he was very comfortable being uncomfortable. He was very, he kept himself on edge. He kept himself um, always sharp. And more importantly, he, he thrived in the competitive environment. You know, most people love to win. Most people, you know, they, you know, if they're not good at something, they're not going to do it. You know, most people would say, well, well, why would he play baseball? Well, because that's his personality. His personality is I'm comfortable doing things and I'm going to keep trying. And the only way I can lose is if I don't get up. And for all of us that knew him, that's not an option. So there was no surprise as I'm watching this, you're starting to see a little bit of what was his driving force. And, um, in the end, I don't know where this goes, you know, nine and 10. I, I'm, I'm excited to see it as well, just as much as anyone else. But truly, this is a story about someone who just had the ultimate love and respect for the game. And anyone who's had an opportunity to find their passion, that's the type of energy and drive that you'll see. And um, you just happen to see it play itself out in your living room if you were watching the Bulls and, and in particular, if you were a Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan fan. It's really a different kind of DNA than I think a lot of young fans had either seen before or learned about before. It's not just the talent and the skill set or even being competitive. It's it's something that comes across so much deeper in this. And, you know, before we before we started and we talked about the what we anticipated before the last dance premiered, you know, you said you were nervous for your friend. Um how has that played out in front of your eyes week by week watching um, these episodes? You know, I, as I'm just watching, I'm just kind of watching this and going, okay, I, yeah, I, I remember that. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. You know, you're, you, know you, you see these things and you forget. Um, but, you know, like one, one in particular scene where Michael asked the cameras to stop because he began to talk about the game and here we are 30 years later and just him recounting about the game will get him to break down emotionally. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how many things you can think about 30 years from now that will give you the same reaction, but that's what the game mattered to him. It wasn't about the fame. It wasn't about the fortune. It wasn't about being the uh, superstar. It wasn't about being the GOAT. It wasn't about all those things. It was, here was someone that had the utmost respect for the game of basketball, had the utmost respect for the game itself, and brought that level of intensity every single day out of respect to the game and the people that played the game before him, the people that were going to play the game after him. And most importantly, you wanted to be respectful for the people who were in that moment as well with him. I don't know how many people have ever 
experienced that in their life. That's what I was nervous about is because I don't know where nine and 10 goes, but Hmm. that's what it was all about. Okay. Yeah. He, we can talk about his competitive spirit and we can talk about all of those things. He won and he did all those things. When you love something, Eric, you treat it a little different. When you love something, it remains first and foremost in your life. And you you hold it in a special place that nothing else will, you know, will 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 will, will come into to that space. And to watch him thirty years later still have that reaction right you know we're all older now right you know you when you love something and you feel both sides of it right you feel the joy of winning which we all put the camera on and every, that's great but eric the, the the reason you know people ask me why don't i talk about basketball or why don't i relive those things is because i also experienced the pain of, on the other side of that and you just don't talk about it like you did it, but you just want to leave it there because you know the pain that that game when you love something and you just want to leave it and you just want to like, that's where I was at then. That's where I'm at now. And to watch that little five seconds brought back something that, you know what, I'm just not really, I'm like, I don't want to go back there. I want to just leave it. I just want to move forward and not look back. And I, I, I would think that this probably is going to get heightened even more more so as we go into 9 and 10. It was an unreal moment. Uh, I'm so happy they were able to get to those depths with him and we could learn about it and, and everything you shared on how uh, you view leaving it there. I, I, it, it's, it's fascinating to think about. And, and now we're looking ahead to, as you said, 9 and 10. And, uh, you know, by this time, as we saw in uh, last week's episodes, by that time, you're a Charlotte Hornet and you're matching up with MJ in the playoffs. You have those moments down the stretch in game two where you're knocking down jumpers and talking trash and doing it in Chicago. Um, How did a what was that experience like then? And then, you know, how was it reliving that watching it? during the last dance <laughs> um you know watching it you know at 52 and you're watching it and you're like okay what what were you thinking kid you know like <laughs> what were you thinking <laughs> that was so long ago and um but i that's what you did that was how you played and um there were so many wonderful players and uh what i enjoyed most about playing was the competition part of the game and you know um what was that kid thinking that kid was thinking you know what if you're going to be in a fight you better establish and let them know that hey i can punch too that's what i was thinking and i learned that from my years in chicago i mean you I, you threw some hands yeah, BJ. I mean, you l- threw listen, some serious hands listen, i i i there's one thing that i i can say i learned from Chicago, in particular, Michael. 
if you're going to lose, you better go down swinging. Yep. If you're going to lose, you better go down and don't be saying coulda, woulda, shoulda, oughta. No, if you're going to go down, have the courage to say I did my best. Now, that's what I learned when I first came in this league. It's easy to lose and start saying why you lost and, and, and giving excuses. It takes courage to lose and say, I did my best. Now, when you're in a fight, everybody knows this who's ever been in a fight. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. But if you are in a fight, Eric, and if you are, you know, battling with someone else, you might just land the right punch. <laughs> yeah. You know? And. Eric, I don't know any other way other than go out there and do my best. That's where I learned. I learned that. I learned that from the Bulls and the environment. In particular, I learned that from Michael. So he wouldn't have expected anything less of me but to come out there and fight. Because every year that I played in the league, I didn't win every game. I, I didn't make every shot. But Eric, I, I became very comfortable with trying my very best. And I played that game with great humility. I was humbled to play, but I wanted to play with the courage to say, you know what? I did my best. So when I walked away, there was no looking back. There's no like, well, I wish I would have worked harder or I wish I would have tried harder or I wish I would have. No, Eric, like I, I, I met up with an opponent. I knew that opponent was good and Eric, his best was better than my best. I can live with that. <laughs> I can laugh mm -hmm. with that. I can laugh about it now. I can laugh about it because, Eric, you might win. That's why you play. That's why you play the game. So, yeah. no, and, and your your journey through the league and being in so many big games leading up to then, I mean, that puts you in a position where that moment doesn't fit. No. You. You've been there so many yes. times. Yeah. You're doing you're doing it in, in Charlotte purple, mind yeah. you. The Purple Road Charlottes, which I hadn't seen in a minute. And, you know, seeing you on that United Center floor in a different jersey, like I'm, I'm, I'm glued to the screen because it's story, but then it's you back then. And I hadn't seen those highlights probably since yeah, I, it happened in 98. Do you remember the feeling of you're in the United Center, you're in Chicago doing this, but it's not in a Bulls uniform? Um, well, you know, it, it, it I mean, that's all I knew. And um, you develop good habits and you develop bad habits. And look, I, I was I, I had been in those moments so many times. Right. I, you know, it just seemed like 100. I don't know how many games I, I actually played in the playoffs, but I, you know, I've been in those moments. So that, that wasn't that moment wasn't too big for me. I, I, I knew what those moments um what I recall was I, I, I was anticipating the adjustments that they were going to make for game three because now we had their attention, right? We had their attention. That's, that's what you do in a series, right? Well, they're expected to sweep and all of a sudden, oh, wow, I didn't expect this. Well, yeah, we're here to fight. Now you're in a fight. Th that's, that's what you do. So um, I, I was anticipating game three. I wanted you know, I, I had in my mind what I thought they could do, but it was more than just me. Um, you know, we had a team and, and, and for many of the guys, that was a, maybe they hadn't had that opportunity to be there. So, it, you know, you don't just do things alone. You know, it's, it's, it's a group effort. 
So, but it was a that was a great game for us uh, against a great team. Clearly, they had some very experienced players who had all won championships before, and uh, you play, and and that's what we did. Did your kids watch this with you? And if so, how did they react? Well, it's funny, uh, the things your kids, my, my oldest son, who's 19, all he was interested in was, and he was the first one who pointed this out to me, which is funny. He was like, Dad, you're wearing Jordans. <laughs> <laughs> and he, 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 all he cared about was where were the shoes, you know? <laughs> he was just like, Dad, yeah. you have worn Jordans. And I, I, I mean, things like that, I just... I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. I'm oblivious to that. Um, you know, I didn't look at Jordans back then or even to this day as like, you know, they were performance shoes. Now they are, as I was made aware, they're walking J's as they call them. Um, so <laughs> that, you know, I mean, they are in, they are indeed walking. Yeah. Jays. So, you know, I, 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 I learned that, you know, I had on Jordans and my son was like, dad, where are those shoes? Why haven't you showed me those shoes. I was like, I didn't know they were something. I just like, they felt good on my feet back then. That's all I knew. Um, but I, it was, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, the, the way the game was played back then, I think it's probably been the most eye-opening thing for um, this generation. They was like, man, the game was physical. Like you guys, you guys could have hurt each other. Well, that's how you play. No, no one thought about it. You know, looking back on it now, you're like, how did I survive that? Because you took some blows. Like when you went as a guard, when I was cutting through the lane, I just knew I was going to get hit. I didn't like, you know, today, if you get hit, you know, guys are, you know, they're like, well, what are you doing? I knew that I was going to get hit. Buck Williams and all of these guys were just going to hit me. Man, you know, that's, that was the love tap that you were going to receive. And either you were going to be a big boy about it or you couldn't play. So uh, the physicality of the game and listening to the young people and, and, and that's, that's been real funny and interesting to watch. It's great to see it on film too. There's one thing watching like TV highlights, but to see it on film, the way it was shot back then, the, the, the movie feel that of course, so much of the last dance we're seeing, it's some of it is absolutely awesome to see and to see all these different talents, players, names. And I know you don't care, but the shoe brands that guys were wearing back then, um just just a different different world um so you know there was some bts in there of michael talking about um you know you in game two uh in that series and obviously uh you got their attention um however you know we'll get into so, some of the things that he's uh, utilized for his motivation in a little bit, but was, was there ever a conversation you guys had after that? Did that ever come between you guys um, in the time shortly after that series in uh, '98? No, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I, I guess it was just that. Was, that's what was expected, right? You, yeah, we were friends, and yes, you know, you you shared. You know, you know, we spent time as players and all those things. But, you know, I have to take everyone back and put it in this context. Back then, competition was first, second and third. There was nothing to be said other than I had to figure out the next year how to compete and try to beat him if I saw him again. And 
that what was understood. If I wasn't going to be on his team or the Bulls or what have you, you had to figure out how to play and compete because the it, clear understanding of competition and, and friendship is completely yeah, separate. It, was, it didn't even need to be right, said. It was, yeah, it, 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 no. that's what it was. It wasn't. It, that, that wasn't a simpler yeah, times, yeah, my friends. Simpler like, times. I, I don't I, like. I don't. You know, like it is. It's a different day, and I don't. I don't even talk about it. But back then, you know, I grew up in Detroit, right? But it was understood when I played against the Pistons that you know what, it's business. It's not personal. It's business now. You know, I think I've said to this to you before. Like my all my family were rooting against me when I played the Pistons because they were all Pistons fans. But yep. that didn't matter to me. Like I wasn't. You know, I, 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 it didn't matter. I, I had to do what I came to do. And that was understood back then. And that's how you approached it. And like, I, it, it didn't, it's funny for me to talk about it now because I wasn't even aware that's, that, that, that was a thing. That's like, like who plays the game and doesn't try to win the game? Like that was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you know, I didn't, I, 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 that never entered into my way of thinking. Between the lines, my friend, between the lines. Um, so some of these uh, these these grudges that we see in the last dance that, you know, the way it's framed and, and how the story is told that, you know, he's just putting these things uh, in his mind and using them as fuel from the Clyde Drexler matchup to Barkley's MVP in 93 to... Horace Grant getting carried off the floor uh, as a member of the Magic. Your shot, LeBradford Smith, Nick Anderson, Kukoc, the list goes on and on. We see athletes looking for fuel anywhere they can get it. Bulletin board material, a rivalry, shit talking, you know, whatever it is. But how was it different with Michael? Um... It became very apparent to me when I when I first met him that something was a little different, right? So, uh, you know, you go, okay, athletically, okay, you can see the athletic ability that he had. Mentally, you saw that he was was tough, right? He could, you know, he could he could dish it, but he could also he could take it, right? Michael could take a blow. Michael could take getting hit, and without question, he was going to get back up. So you knew he had the toughness and the makeup to be an exceptional player, and he was willing to pay that price to be a great player. Not just talk about it, but he was going to be about it. He was going to bring he was going to bring that action every single time he stepped on the floor. Uh, the thing that to me that was quite unique about him is that he had an incredible amount of discipline for the game of basketball. Right? He could have easily taken as many shots as he wanted to. He could have taken bad shots, but he had the discipline not to do that. He could have just been an offensive player and not have the discipline to maybe bring the same energy or the same passion to the defensive side and nothing would have been said, but he didn't do that. And the thing that was very obvious to me was that he had this commitment to the game of basketball that was amazing because he was such an incredible athlete you know michael was a very fundamentally sound basketball player that just happened to be an incredible athlete and no one 
And I don't think enough credit is ever given to him of first how great of a defensive player he was. Because as as much as we talk about what he did on the offensive end, defensively, he was just as spectacular. And his mental approach to the game and his understanding to, of the game is well beyond anyone that I've seen, right? He understood the game for a full 94 feet. He just wasn't an exceptional offensive player. He knew how to be disruptive, just as effective on that end of the floor, which required a level of concentration that not many can achieve because most people aren't that great at the, those many areas of the game. Michael was like the first flawless basketball player I had ever seen. He was a great help defender. He was a great on-ball defender. He was a great rebounder. He was a great offensive player. He was a great with footwork. He was great at accepting the double teams. He knew how to create shots. He knew how to make shots. He knew how he just was great at everything. And the energy that he brought to the game was far superior than any energy that I had ever had to bring because I wasn't playing against two or three or four. In some cases, the Jordan rules. He was playing against the philosophy. He didn't walk into the, if I had a great game, you know, it was like, okay, BJ's had a great game. No, he he had a great game and he knew everyone in the gym was trying to stop him. So the energy that he brought to this game, to me, was like far superior. And intellectually, he was on par with anyone I'd ever seen because of how many things he could change or affect during the course of a game. So it was just, a little different. I knew it was different. How different? I had no idea. I couldn't I couldn't see every player in the league like I could see him, but I knew it was something very unique. And as I made my way around the around the league, I was saying, "Oh man, this guy here is doing something that no one else can do." And that explains the following uh list that's been compiled here. Some fun facts about the Bulls' six championship runs as uh, Mike Lieber is uh, uh, honing us with the goodness today, BJ. I've never looked at a list like this before. 24 series over the course of two three-peats. Great job on this, Mike. 24-0 in those series. 18-0 in the first round. 24-7 in conference semifinal games. 24-8 in conference finals games. 24-11 in finals games over six championship runs. And you talk about that energy and that next level focus and being good at all aspects of the game. And the, these numbers speak to that. The, the consistency here, BJ, is unreal. But I, got, I have a couple of more for you to react to. Two seven game, uh, two seven, game sevens, excuse me, uh, in that time span. One was the 92 Knicks series. The other 98 against the Pacers in the conference finals. BJ, you were right in the middle of that 92 series uh, against the Knicks, which they unfortunately don't uh, include in the last dance because they can only fit so much in. What was that series like being stretched to the limit by the Knicks, who at that time, first year under Riley, kind of came out of nowhere as the next challenger in the East? Well, the, you know, Pat Riley was, you know, obviously he's had a he had a Hall of Fame career as a coach and won many a championships there in L.A. and in Miami. And 
they really came in with a renewed energy. Um, they brought a certain level of physicality to the game. Um, they were well coached. They had a great player, a great offensive player in Patrick Ewing. And, and um, I mean, he he was a problem. Make no doubt about it. Um, you know, with Charles Oakley and the late Anthony Mason. And uh, they had a really, really, you know, they had a really good team. Xavier and, McDaniel. Yeah, Xavier McDaniel. Mark Jackson. Yeah. Um, they were a, a great team. Now, um, what I remember most is that um, they had a, they had a confidence, right? They had a confidence about themselves. They had a confidence about what they could do, and uh, we obviously were a confident group. So it just came down basically to, you know, a battle of wills, and uh, we had to match their energy. They play the game with a certain energy level. They play the game with a certain physicality, and uh, the New York. You know, Madison Square Garden in New York City, that was a tough environment to play. And um, it was well fought, tough played, and it could have gone either way. You know, that's how I always approached it. But in the end, I wanted to make sure that, you know, we, we, you know, we were going to bring what we had to bring to the game and everyone was committed to it. But those were a really good team. So, you know, uh, we respected that group. We respected how well they were going to be prepared for the game. And, um Fortunately for us, we were able to come out of that series and, and, and win the series and eventually win the championship in 92 as well. BJ, I think the younger audience doesn't have uh, any appreciation or much of a clue for how good of a player Patrick Ewing was. Can you do a 60-second quick synopsis of... Who Patrick Ewing was yeah, as a player and yeah, how sure. great he was. You know, Patrick Ewing was, he wasn't a good player. He was a great player in every sense of the word. He, uh, you know, he was big. He was athletic. And when he came in the league, you know, most people thought he was going to be a rim protector, and which he was, a shot blocker. And he brought a, you know, he brought presence to the defensive end of the game. But I think most people were surprised that he was an extremely, extremely, talented offensive player you know he had a turnaround jump shot he could stretch up to the elbows um and you know you had to double team him I mean, he required your attention on the defensive end so um he was a great player he uh, played in new york city played the game at a very very high level and and you know um there's you know there were a lot of great players back then, and he played against some of the best. You know, he played against Kareem. He played against, you know, Akeem Olajuwon and Shaq and all of David Robinson. And uh, he was uh, he was an incredible basketball player, and it was a privilege to play against him because he brought intensity, and you knew uh, when you came in there as a little guard that you were going to see Patrick. <laughs> and so I always respected him, and uh, I always enjoyed the battles that we had playing against one one another for many years. He's seventh all-time in block shots, I believe. Mike, if I'm wrong, tell me. But I think he's seventh all-time in block shots. And with that jumper, BJ, and that strength and that athleticism, can you imagine Ewing in the modern era with, with, with that skill set? Well, I mean... You know, the, the, the thing is, is the way we play, you know, we always talk about small ball, but, you know, some of those guys, you know, I would love to see in the in the modern era. And uh, Patrick Ewing certainly would have found his way in, in today's game. 
But players like Akeem Olajuwon, Scottie Pippen, like I can't imagine how effective they would be because they had they played the game with with a certain level of speed and quickness, right? I can't imagine what it would be like uh, having to guard Akeem Olajuwon. And, you know, you couldn't guard him when you could hand check. I can't imagine what it would be like trying to guard him now where you can't impede people's progress or whatever they call it um, or guarding Scottie Pippen the way he plays. So some of the players I think would really flourish in today's game, but certainly I think Patrick would have found his way, even though we don't post up as much. Um, I think he would have found his way because of he could he could always shoot and um, he could protect the rim and uh, I think he would be just as effective today as he was uh, when he played I don't want to go down the whole big men era rabbit hole now but the thought that we had Ewing, Olajuwon, Robinson Shaq Morning, Matumbo all at a very high level in that time Obviously, some different years overlap with others as guys are rising and falling. But those are great, great big men. And um, as entertaining as the game is now, man, I'd, I'd be so curious if we had that kind of presence in the league with uh, so much of the, the skill and versatility. But, you know, BJ, staying on the Knicks for one sec. The Bulls between both repeats, they only trailed in a series four different times and twice were to the Knicks. Once in 92, down 1-0, and then again in 93, uh, down 2-0. Of course, both teams led by Ewing. Um, so much in the last dance about the gambling and it's happening during that Knicks series. You guys are down 2-0 after the Starks dunk. Um, real quick, you guys are down 2-0 going back to Chicago. What's the vibe and what's that moment like for you guys to, to get refocused, go home, and get back in the series? Um, you know, it's, it's again, if I could take you inside the locker room as a player, as you know, people say, like, refocus or what have you. Um, we knew when we started the series and when you're playing in a series, you got to win four out of seven. And that meant for us because we were starting on the road. We got to win one game in in New York, and we're going to have to hold serve at home. So as the series goes 2-2-1-1-1, we didn't feel refocused. We felt that, you know, we were going to hold serve. And the series is not going to start until another team wins on the opposing team's home court. So we felt good about how we had played in game one and game two. Um, and we felt that we were going to have our opportunity at some point during this series, whether it was in game one or game two or game five or game seven, to win on their home court. That was our mindset, and they played well in, in game one and game two. We went home, and we did our job, and then game five, I believe, is where we got a game. You came back to the garden. Yeah. so. Uh, that's how you look at it, right? You, you we got to win one game on the road. It doesn't. I don't care where it happens, but we have to win one. We knew our job, and we were going to have four shots at it, right? We have four bites at the apple, literally, <laughs> uh, to win a game. That game played like a. That game plays like yeah. a movie still. To so I mean, it was just, that. That was the mindset. So it wasn't like a refocus or you lose. You know, it wasn't like we lost the first two games at home. Now that now you got to refocus. You know, we lost mm -hmm. 
you know, they, they play, you, <laughs> again, I'm just kicking to the mindset back then. You play the regular season with a sense of urgency because you wanted home court because you felt that you had a better chance of winning at home than on the road, right? It wasn't guaranteed, but you at least felt more comfortable going into the game. So they were better than us. They had a better record than us that year. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we didn't feel we had a chance to win win the series. And uh, that's what happened. And we were, you know, it presented itself in game five. And we were there to, to, uh, to try to win the game. And eventually we did win it. In the time of a uh, shot clock possession, can you explain the intensity of that game five at the Garden? Um, well, I just remember it was a it was a game where um, it was going to come down to a possession or two. So, you know, when you play in big moments, you have to be fundamentally sound. And we were prepared for those moments because those that's the difference between winning and losing. It's just those moments. So. Um, you know, we were just ready. We were ready. We didn't know when it was going to come, but we just wanted to be around that if we had a chance, we felt we could win the game. And uh, our best player thrived in those settings. And and all we had to do was just give ourselves a chance. And that's all you can ask for. You give yourself a chance and you live with the results. And that's what we did. Like I said, um, you know, in a 48-minute game, that's a lot of possessions, but most importantly, you have to be ready for it. And uh, we were, and I always felt that we were prepared for whatever was going to happen because fundamentally we were a very uh, sound team. Game five, June 2nd, 93, just hunting on some basketball reference for the moment. I remember watching this game with my dad, man. It was, it was so cool. And then to go back to Chicago and uh, that series closes in six. I, I must say, BJ, I, I wanted, I, I wanted more Knicks Bulls rivalry in Last Dance. Like I, I just wanted more because it was such a, it was such an incredible thing to be a fan during that as as a as a teenager who loved hoops. Like they clearly just wanted to 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 be in the position the Bulls were. And there was such envy with the fans and wanting to be the next team in the East who was, you know, part of that domino effect, which, of course, started in the 80s. And that just produced some some, some high drama hoops. So to, to see that unfold again in the last dance was, was awesome. And, uh, of course, this week, looking forward to 9-10. Uh, to um, I know you're bracing yourself. Last question for the show today what's it been like this week uh having all the conversations doing the rounds doing the interviews and everybody just being so excited by what they're seeing well you know I, I, it's just it's it's fun to kind of see it from other people's perspective and like i said i i never thought that you know what i just was doing every day was exciting i never thought that oh man someday a movie is going to be made or people are going to be recounting stories about something you did you know that long ago um so it's fun to, to just see it from a different perspective and to be able to laugh and recount and recall things and and really have fun with it so uh, i just hope people enjoy it and enjoy the fact that they can get a chance to see someone who achieved that level of excellence because it's not often you see it and um 
you know every day i you know um i think wow you know that's it's, it's pretty amazing that you had a chance to experience that as a kid i never want to forget when i was a kid dreaming about playing in the nba and uh so it, it's good to kind of like see it from a fan perspective and have fun with it from that way and like i said i don't i don't i don't really think about it I, I, honestly i never think about it um those were great times i love when i see the guys and we always laugh and talk about all the good times and and things that we did but um i think this is this is awesome for the especially the younger generation to be able to see someone that was that committed to you know his craft and the way he played and the imagination and his creativity and all the things that he brought to the game because it's a it was a very unique time, and he was a very unique and special player. I'm thrilled it's it's resonating for you that way, and uh, and obviously a lot of people are taking a, so much joy in in watching it, talking about it, breaking it down. It's being covered like live sports. Like that's just the the time we're in, and and the circumstances that we're under. But um, it, it's been great to watch and great to to really chop it up with you about. So. I appreciate you uh, digging in with us as usual. Can't wait till next week, but uh, great to talk about this stuff today. And enjoy the weekend, my friend. Nine and ten coming up. All right, up. will do. Appreciate it. Special thanks, as always, to our producer Mike Lieber, Bruce Bernstein, editor Benjamin Wolfen, and the entire Pure Hoops Media team. Check out the Mike Wise Show dropping each and every Monday, Tuesdays for Full Court Press with. Fanta and Adams Wednesdays for Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin. Thursdays, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with the one and only Monica McNutt. And BJ Armstrong and I coming back next week for more of the Pure Hoops podcast. Enjoy the last dance this weekend. Be safe, be healthy, stay pure. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.